Dad, tell me a story. This March, the year is 2022, I spoke at four in-person conferences in four weeks. I gave the same presentation each time, and yet each delivery was completely different. My preparation was meticulous. I started by coming up with a great headline and description, something that would get accepted by the people picking who would be speaking at these events. I wrote those two elements, the headline and description, before I even had a presentation to give. It was a matter of imagining what problem my audience needed to solve and what solutions I could offer to help them solve it. I wrote a headline and bullet points to articulate that problem-solution combo and submitted it to the event. This is what I submitted and got accepted with. There are six problems that prevent contractors from turning their call center into a profit center. Low booking rates, poor customer experience, inconsistent teams, Sally is amazing on the phone but John is terrible, team members get defensive at their boss's feedback, owners and managers don't have the time to train, and business owners aren't sure which call center metrics to track. In this breakout, Zach will tell you how to identify and address these problems so you can turn your call center into a profit center. All right, so that was the description of my presentation that I submitted and got accepted with. Now I had to actually create the thing. Now I had to actually put something together. And this is where the agony comes in. At first, I outlined a presentation that fell exactly in line with my proposal. But as I got deeper into the crafting of it, it just felt too data-y, you know, too, too math-y. I don't know the words to use there, but I needed something that was more engaging. So I went back to the drawing board. I started with the basics. I knew I needed an engaging introduction, introducing the problem I want to help the audience solve, three supporting points, an epic mic drop conclusion, and entertaining supporting material to use throughout as a way to bring my supporting points to life. So I put together an introduction that got my audience to think differently about something they deal with every day, their business's call center. I wanted to show that it's not a cost, it's a profit center. Customer service when done well is not a cost, it's not an expense, it's not a nuisance. It is a major growth engine for a business. Then I offered three practical ways for these contractors to turn their call center into a profit center. It was very practical. Lastly, I put a bow on the whole thing with a nice recap of the presentation and a call to action. In other words, I asked them to buy my stuff. <laughs> but you can't prepare forever. I never felt 100% about what I'd prepared, but I knew I had four shots to get it perfect. And the first conference was going to be the smallest of the four. It was the perfect stage to test my material on. A coworker of mine, Stephen Dale, recorded it for me. Shout out to Stephen. And after the first presentation, I watched it back later that night in my hotel room. And I thought it was good, at least for the first time. It definitely felt scripted, which can be a good thing. It shows that you're intentional and didn't put it off to the last minute. It shows that you respect your audience. But I had a lot of work to do. First, I changed my outfit. Yes, my outfit. <laughs> I, I felt like my shirt was too baggy going back and watching the first presentation. So I changed my outfit. Second, I changed my introduction. 
I put the stuff that I could see the audience loved at the very beginning so I could hook them sooner. After that, I focused almost entirely on my tone of voice. My tone was too flat the first time around, but when you tell a story to an audience, the tone and energy of your voice should reflect the emotion you want to convey. In my first delivery of the presentation, my tone of voice felt too scholarly and buttoned up. It was, it was kind of flatlined the whole time. There wasn't enough personality in it. Finally, I took out a few slides and talking points that just didn't fit the first time around. They felt like when a teacher is trying to get through the lesson, when they should be focused on helping the students grow, regardless of how much material they cover. I think we've all been students before where the teacher is just running at breakneck pace to try and teach us a certain amount of material when we're still stuck on the first thing they brought up in the lesson. And the best thing to do for the students is pause and have a discussion. It's to pause and really make sure that the learners are growing and changing. Some teachers don't do that though. They just try to get through it, right? I've got a lesson to cover. We got to get to chapter five by the end of the week. And that's kind of how certain elements of my presentation felt. So I tried to take all that stuff out. All right. So it was time for round two in Philadelphia. I've made some changes. I made a lot of changes. And the second presentation due to my changes was 10 times better. A complete 180 from the first one. My tone of voice improved dramatically. I hooked the audience much faster than the first time. But there were still some content problems. Some slides and talking points felt forced or unclear. And while my tone of voice was better, my body language needed some work. I needed to move and guide the audience like a world-class conductor guides an angelic choir. Time for round three now. That was the best of the three by far. One of my co-presenters complimented me after saying I'd really nailed the story. And Steven, the coworker of mine who filmed them all, he gave it a 98 out of 99. Compared to the 74 out of 99 he gave me after the first presentation, that was a massive jump. I went back to watch it that night, and I was thrilled. I was excited for what I might see because Stephen thought it was way better. My co-presenter thought it was way better. I certainly felt like it was a big improvement, but I was actually really disappointed when I watched the third one back. Something about it felt off. I felt like by now, by three presentations in with only one left to go, I should be delivering something world-class. I should be really making an impact. I watched it back with Steven too, and he felt the same way. Even though he'd given me a high score, we both felt like the content was good, the delivery was good, the engagement was good, but it just didn't feel like the kind of presentation that people would go home and tell all their friends and colleagues about. So Steven and I had a little dialogue. I asked him, what do you think is missing? I don't know, man, he said. If you had a professional speaking coach, they could probably tell you, I don't, but I don't know. And he was right. A coach would have helped at that moment, but I didn't have enough time to find a coach. The fourth and final presentation was just a few days away, and I had several days of travel before that. It was too late to reinvent the whole presentation. We both felt like it was as good as it could be, though. And that was the most frustrating part, is we just couldn't quite latch on to anything that would really put this thing over the top. We couldn't find any improvements that we felt confident would make this presentation what we wanted it to be. It, it felt like this is pretty much the best we're going to get with this message. 
but I kept watching. I played it back a few times, paused at moments where it felt like something was missing, and then I discovered something. Two things, actually. So I shouted to Steven, I think I got it. I think I got it. Customer service. The call center, right? This is the topic of my presentation. This is the most overlooked, underpaid, and underappreciated department in any business. This is the kind of department that people don't care enough about. And that's my problem here. I'm giving advice to these people, specific how-to steps they can follow, as if they already care about the call center, but they don't. Not yet, or not enough at least. People aren't actually going home and acting on this information. They're just taking notes and handing it off to someone else. They might think it's a good presentation, which I've received several of those compliments. Oh, that was really good. But it's not effective at solving a real problem. Because the real problem here is not that they need the steps I'm outlining. It's that they just don't care enough yet. They're not motivated to implement the steps that I'm outlining. It's like I'm giving advanced advice to people who are still beginners on the subject of customer service. Bingo. That was number one. My goal, my entire objective for the presentation was off. It needed to change from, I'm going to teach the audience how to turn their call center into a profit center, to, I'm going to make my audience care about their call center the way they already care about the other departments in their business. Because right now they don't. And so no amount of how-to advice is going to change that. I need to make them care about this. That's number one. My goal needs to change. Your goal as a storyteller should be to meet the audience where they are. Not to try and bring them to your level. That was my first problem. But that's not all, I said to Stephen. There's one other thing. The secret ingredient in all of the most legendary speakers and storytellers throughout history is that they are deeply passionate about what they're saying. But this topic, how to turn your call center into a profit center, is not something I lose sleep over. I'm not naturally passionate about it. I'm trying to create too much artificial energy here. The most important thing I'm missing is natural and contagious passion for the topic. I may not care so much about how to turn your call center into a profit center, which is the thing I've been speaking about for the last three weeks, but I do care deeply about changing your perspective on customer service as a whole. I care deeply about creating a culture where the call center knows that they matter. That's when Steven and I had this crazy idea. I looked at him and I said, what if I just rant next time? Yes, he replies. I'll ditch the slides entirely and I'll just rant. He looks at me again and says, yes, you got it. You've got to tell the audience you're going to be real with them and just let it flow. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm going to riff. I'm just going to rant next time. I'm just going to speak from the heart. Now, this might sound like a totally rogue move. I, I mean, I spent all this time preparing before the events. I've given the same presentation three weeks in a row. But for some reason, after that fourth presentation, when I realized my goal needed to change and I needed to speak on something that passion came more naturally with, I decided to scratch the whole thing, essentially, and just riff. So now it's time for the fourth and final presentation. 
I tried not to think about the structure of the fourth presentation at all. I just wanted to be in the right mindset to speak from my heart on a topic I actually care about. I paced the back of the room, the back of the conference room where I was speaking like a maniac while my co-presenter spoke. But when she finished, I played a short video that I had shared at the other three events, something I felt set the tone nicely. But after that, I improvised. I think they call it extemporaneous speaking. For the next 25 minutes, I spoke from my heart. I made sure to look deeply into the audience members' eyes, laugh with them, joke with them, pause for effect more, call them out, and have sincere heart-to-heart moments with them. I didn't want them to think I was a good presenter. I didn't want them to be impressed by my stage presence. I wanted them to feel motivated to change. Ah, yes. I decided. I decided that's the difference between the legendary storytellers and everyone else. It's the motive. The legends want to make an impact where the average folks want to impress people. If my third presentation was a 98, my fourth presentation was 198. It was so much better than the other three, I can't even quantify the improvement. I used the same conclusion that I had in the other three presentations, but the reaction was totally different the fourth time around. Where the first three audience members smiled and nodded at my conclusion, the fourth audience I spoke to laughed out loud. Why? Because everything leading up to the conclusion resonated more the fourth time. My connection with the audience was stronger the fourth time. Even the questions I got asked after the presentation changed, where the first three audiences asked me technical how-to questions, questions I honestly felt no excitement in discussing without more context around their individual situations. The fourth audience asked questions about culture, drive, motivation, and how we can work together. It was a complete shift, a complete 180. And this is how I discovered the real job of a storyteller. It's not to impress people or cover a certain amount of material. It's to make change happen. It's to resonate and connect with your audience so deeply that they feel a true desire to change. You don't have to be smart enough to manipulate people, says Bernadette Joua. You have to be sincere enough to move them. Your impact with an audience depends on your ability to speak from the heart and resonate with their dreams, desires, and fears. The best storytellers aren't actually storytellers. They're people movers. And if you want to be the latter, you've got to align your goal with where the audience is right now. And you've got to speak from the heart. Everything that you do, all of the preparation you put in, all of the structuring you do of the message should support those two things. A goal that meets the audience where they are and you speaking on something that you're passionate about. That is the real job of a storyteller.